Chapter One of the Journal of Julius Rodman. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Journal of Julius Rodman by Edgar Allan Poe. Chapter One Introductory. What we must consider an unusual piece of good fortune has enabled us to present our readers under this head with a narrative of very remarkable character and certainly of very deep interest the journal which follows not only embodies a relation of the first successful attempt to cross the gigantic barriers of that immense chain of mountains which stretches from the polar sea in the north to the isthmus of darien in the south forming a craggy and snow-capped rampart throughout its whole course but what is of still greater importance gives the particulars of a tour beyond these mountains through an immense extent of territory which at this day is looked upon as totally untravelled and unknown and which in every map of the country to which we can obtain access is marked as an unexplored region it is moreover the only unexplored region within the limits of the continent of north america such being the case our friends will know how to pardon us for the slight amount of unction with which we have urged this journal upon the public attention for our own parts we have found in its perusal a degree and species of interest such as no similar narrative ever inspired nor do we think that our relation to these papers as the channel through which they will be first made known has had more than a moderate influence in begetting this interest we feel assured that all our readers will unite with us in thinking the adventures here recorded unusually entertaining and important the peculiar character of the gentleman who was the leader and soul of the expedition as well as its historian has imbued what he has written with a vast deal of romantic fervour very different from the lukewarm and statistical air which pervades most records of the kind mr james e rodman from whom we obtained the manuscript is well known to many of the readers of this magazine and partakes in some degree of the temperament which embittered the earlier portion of the life of his grandfather mr julius rodman the writer of the narrative we allude to an hereditary hypochondria it was the instigation of this disease which more than anything else led him to attempt the extraordinary journey here detailed the hunting and trapping designs of which he speaks himself in the beginning of his journal were as far as we can perceive but excuses made to his own reason for the audacity and novelty of his attempt there can be no doubt we think and our readers will think with us that he was urged solely by a desire to seek in the bosom of the wilderness that peace which his peculiar disposition would not suffer him to enjoy among men he fled to the desert as to a friend in no other view of the case can we reconcile many points of his record with our ordinary notions of human action as we have thought proper to omit two pages of the manuscript in which mr rodman gives some account of his life previous to his departure up the missouri 
it may be as well to state here that he was a native of england where his relatives were of excellent standing where he had received a good education and from which country he emigrated to this in seventeen eighty four being then about eighteen years of age with his father and two maiden sisters the family first settled in new york but afterwards made their way to kentucky and established themselves almost in hermit fashion on the banks of the mississippi near where mills pond now makes into the river here old mr rodman died in the fall of seventeen ninety and in the ensuing winter both his daughters perished of the smallpox within a few weeks of each other shortly afterwards in the spring of seventeen ninety one mr julius rodman the son set out upon the expedition which forms the subject of the following pages returning from this in seventeen ninety four as hereinafter stated he took up his abode near abingdon in virginia where he married and had three children and where most of his descendants now live we are informed by mr james rodman that his grandfather had merely kept an outline diary of his tour during the many difficulties of its progress and that the manuscripts with which we have been furnished were not written out in detail from that diary until many years afterwards when the tourist was induced to undertake the task at the instigation of m andre michu the botanist and author of the flora boreale americana and of the Estoile de chaine d'amerique m michu it will be remembered had made an offer of his services to mr jefferson when that statesman first contemplated sending an expedition across the rocky mountains he was engaged to prosecute the journey and had even proceeded on his way as far as kentucky when he was overtaken by an order from the french minister then at philadelphia requiring him to relinquish the design and to pursue elsewhere the botanical inquiries on which he was employed by his government the contemplated undertaking then fell into the hands of messieurs lewis and clark by whom it was successfully accomplished the manuscripts when completed however never reached m michu for whose inspection it had been drawn up and was always supposed to have been lost on the road by the young man to whom it was entrusted for delivery at m m s temporary residence near monticello scarcely any attempt was made to recover the papers mr rodman's peculiar disposition leading him to take but little interest in the search indeed strange as it may appear we doubt from what we are told of him whether he would have ever taken any steps to make public the results of his most extraordinary tour we think that his only object in retouching his original diary was to oblige m Monsieur. even mr jefferson's exploring project a project which at the time it was broached excited almost universal comment and was considered a perfect novelty drew from the hero of our narrative only a few general observations addressed to members of his family he never made his own journey a subject of conversation seeming rather to avoid the topic he died before the return of lewis and clark and the diary which had been given into the hands of the messenger for delivery to m Monsieur, was found about three months ago in a secret drawer of a bureau which had belonged to mr julius r 
we do not learn by whom it was placed there mr r's relatives all exonerate him from the suspicion of having secreted it but without intending any disrespect to the memory of that gentleman or to mr james rodman to whom we feel under a special obligation we cannot help thinking that the supposition of the narrator's having by some means re-procured the package from the messenger and concealed it where it was discovered is very reasonable and not at all out of keeping with the character of that morbid sensibility which distinguished the individual we do not wish by any means to alter the manner of mr rodman's narration and have therefore taken very few liberties with the manuscript and these few only in the way of abridgment the style indeed could scarcely be improved it is simple and very effective giving evidence of the deep delight with which the traveller revelled in the majestic novelties through which he passed day after day there is a species of affectionateness which pervade his account even of the severest hardships and dangers which lets us at once into the man's whole idiosyncrasy he was possessed with a burning love of nature and worshipped her perhaps more in her dreary and savage aspects than in her manifestations of placidity and joy he stalked through that immense and often terrible wilderness with an evident rapture at his heart which we envy him as we read he was indeed the man to journey amid all that solemn desolation which he plainly so loved to depict he was the proper spirit to perceive his the true ability to feel we look therefore upon his manuscript as a rich treasure in its way absolutely unsurpassed indeed never equalled that the events of this narrative have hitherto lain perduce that even the fact of the rocky mountains having been crossed by mr rodman prior to the expedition of lewis and clark has never been made public or at all alluded to in the works of any writer on american geography for it certainly never has been thus alluded to as far as we can ascertain must be regarded as very remarkable indeed as exceedingly strange the only reference to the journey at all of which we can hear in any direction is said to be contained in an unpublished letter of mr michus in the possession of mr w wyatt of charlottesville virginia it is there spoken of in a casual way and collaterally as a gigantic idea wonderfully carried out if there has been any farther allusion to the journey we know nothing of it before entering upon mr rodman's own relation it will not be improper to glance at what has been done by others in the way of discovery upon the northwestern portion of our continent if the reader will turn to a map of north america he will be better enabled to follow us in our observations it will be seen that the continent extends from the arctic ocean or from about the seventieth parallel of north latitude to the ninth and from the fifty-sixth meridian west of greenwich to the one hundred sixty-eighth the whole of this immense extent of territory has been visited by civilized man in a greater or less degree and indeed a very large portion of it has been permanently settled but there is an exceedingly wide tract which is still marked upon all our maps as unexplored and which until this day 
has always been so considered. This tract lies within the 60th parallel on the south, the Arctic Ocean on the north, the Rocky Mountains on the west, and the possessions of Russia on the east. To Mr. Rodman, however, belongs the honor of having traversed this singularly wild region in many directions, and the most interesting particulars of the narrative now published have reference to his adventures and discoveries therein. Perhaps the earliest travels of any extent made in North America by white people were those of Hennepin and his friends in 1698, but as his researches were mostly in the South, we do not feel called upon to speak of them more fully. Mr. Irving, in his Astoria, mentions the attempt of Captain Jonathan Carver as being the first ever made to cross the continent from the Atlantic to the Pacific Ocean. But in this he appears to be mistaken, for we find in one of the journals of Sir Alexander Mackenzie that two different enterprises were set on foot, with that especial object in view by the Hudson Bay Fur Company, the one in 1758, the other as early as 1749, both of which are supposed to have entirely failed, as no accounts of the actual expeditions are extant. It was in 1763, shortly after the acquisition of the Canadas by Great Britain, that Captain Carver undertook the journey. His intention was to cross the country between the 43rd and 46th degrees of north latitude to the shores of the Pacific. His object was to ascertain the breadth of the continent at its broadest part, and to determine upon some place on the western coast where government might establish a post to facilitate the discovery of a northwest passage, or a communication between Hudson's Bay and the Pacific Ocean. He had supposed that the Columbia, then termed the Oregon, disembogued itself somewhere about the Straits of Anion, and here it was that he expected the post to be formed. He thought also that a settlement in this neighborhood would disclose new sources of trade, and open a more direct communication with China and the British possessions in the East Indies than the old route afforded by the Cape of Good Hope. He was baffled, however, in his attempt to cross the mountains. In point of time, the next important expedition in the northern portion of America was that of Samuel Hearn, who, with the object of discovering copper mines, pushed northwestwardly during the years 1769, 70, 71, and 72 from the Prince of Wales Fort in Hudson's Bay as far as the shores of the Arctic Ocean. We have after this to record a second attempt of Captain Carver's, which was set on foot in 1774, and in which he was joined by Richard Whitworth, a member of Parliament and a man of wealth. We only notice this enterprise on account of the extensive scale on which it was projected, for in fact it was never carried into execution. The gentlemen were to take with them fifty or sixty men, artificers and mariners, and with these make their way up one of the branches of the Missouri, explore the mountains for the source of the Oregon, and sail down that river to its supposed mouth near the Straits of Anion. Here a fort was to be built, as well as vessels for the purpose of farther discovery. The undertaking was stopped by the breaking out of the American Revolution. 
as early as seventeen seventy five the fur trade had been carried by the canadian missionaries north and west to the banks of the saskatchewan river in fifty three north latitude one hundred two west longitude and in the beginning of seventeen seventy six mr joseph robisher proceeded in this direction as far as fifty five north and one hundred three west in seventeen seventy eight mr peter bond with four canoes pushed on to the elk river about thirty miles south of its junction with the lake of the hills and we have now to mention another attempt which was baffled at its very outset to cross the broadest portion of the continent from ocean to ocean now, this attempt is scarcely known by the public to have been made at all and is mentioned by mr jefferson alone and by him only in a cursory way mr j relates that ledyard called upon him in paris panting for some new enterprise after his successful voyage with captain cook and that he mr j proposed to him that he should go by land to kamchatka cross in some of the russian vessels to nootka sound fall down into the latitude of the missouri and then striking through the country pass down that river to the united states ledyard agreed to the proposal provided the permission of the russian government could be obtained and mr jefferson succeeded in obtaining this and the traveller setting out from paris arrived at st petersburg after the empress had left that place to pass the winter at moscow his finances not permitting him to make unnecessary stay at st petersburg he continued on his route with a passport from one of the ministers and at two hundred miles from kamchatka was arrested by an officer of the empress who had changed her mind and now forbade his proceeding he was put into a closed carriage and driven day and night without stopping till he reached poland where he was set down and dismissed mr jefferson in speaking of ledyard's undertaking erroneously calls it the first attempt to explore the western part of our northern continent the next enterprise of moment was the remarkable one of sir alexander mackenzie which was prosecuted in seventeen eighty nine he started from montreal pushed through the utawa river lake nipissing lake huron around the northern shore of lake superior through what is called the grand portage thence along rain river the lake of the woods bonnet lake the upper part of doghead lake the south coast of lake winnipeg through cedar lake and past the mouth of the saskatchewan to sturgeon lake thence again by portage to the missinipi and through black bear primos and buffalo lakes to a range of high mountains running northeast and southwest then taking elk river to the lake of the hills then passing through slave river to slave lake around the northern shore of this latter to mackenzie's river and down this lastly to the polar sea an immense journey during which he encountered dangers innumerable and hardships of the severest kind in the whole of his course down mackenzie's river to its embouchure he passed along the bottom of the eastern declivity of the rocky mountains but never crossed these barriers in the spring of seventeen ninety three however starting from montreal and pursuing the route of his first journey as far as the mouth of the unjigar or peace river 
he then turned off to the westward up this stream pushed through the mountains in latitude fifty six then proceeded to the south until he struck a river which he called the salmon now fraser's and following this finally reached the pacific in about the fortieth parallel of north latitude the memorable expedition of captains lewis and clark was in progress during the years eighteen o four five and six in eighteen o three the act for establishing trading-houses with the indian tribes being about to expire some modifications of it with an extension of its views to the indians on the missouri were recommended to congress by a confidential message from mr jefferson of january eighteenth in order to prepare the way it was proposed to send a party to trace the missouri to its source cross the rocky mountains and follow the best water communication which offered itself thence to the pacific ocean this design was fully carried out captain lewis exploring but not first discovering as mr irving relates the upper waters of the columbia river and following the course of that stream to its embouchure the headwaters of the columbia were visited by mackenzie as early as seventeen ninety three coincident with the exploring tour of lewis and clark up the missouri was that of major zebulon m pike up the mississippi which he succeeded in tracing to its source in itasca lake upon his return from this voyage he penetrated by the orders of government from the mississippi westwardly during the years eighteen o five six and seven to the headwaters of the arkansas beyond the rocky mountains in latitude forty north passing along the osage and kansas rivers and to the source of the platte in eighteen ten mr david thompson a partner of the northwest fur company set out from montreal with a strong party to cross the continent to the pacific the first part of the route was that of mackenzie in seventeen ninety three the object was to anticipate a design of mr john jacob astor's to wit the establishment of a trading post at the mouth of the columbia most of his people deserted him on the eastern side of the mountains but he finally succeeded in crossing the chain with only eight followers when he struck the northern branch of the columbia and descended that river from a point much nearer its source than any white man had done before in eighteen eleven mr astor's own remarkable enterprise was carried into effect at least so far as the journey across the country is concerned as mr irving has already made all readers well acquainted with the particulars of this journey we need only mention it in brief the design we have spoken of the track of the party under command of mr wilson price hunt was from montreal up the ottawas through lake nipissing and a succession of small lakes and rivers to michilimackinac or mackinaw thence by green bay fox and wisconsin river to the prairie du chain thence down the mississippi to st louis thence up the missouri to the village of the arikara indians between the forty-sixth and forty-seventh parallels of north latitude and fourteen hundred and thirty miles above the mouth of the river thence bending to the southwest across the desert over the mountains about where the headwaters of the platte and yellowstone take rise and along the south branch of the columbia to the sea 
two small return parties from this expedition made most perilous and eventful passages across the country the travels of major stephen h long are the next important ones in point of time this gentleman in eighteen twenty three proceeded to the source of the st peter's river to lake winnipeg to the lake of the woods etc etc of the more recent journeys of captain bonville and others it is scarcely necessary to speak as they still dwell in the public memory captain b's adventures have been well related by mr irving in eighteen thirty two he passed from fort osage across the rocky mountains and spent nearly three years in the regions beyond within the limits of the united states there is very little ground which has not of late years been traversed by the man of science or the adventurer but in those wide and desolate regions which lie north of our territory and to the westward of mackenzie's river the foot of no civilized man with the exception of mr rodman and his very small party has ever been known to tread in regard to the question of the first passage across the rocky mountains it will be seen from what we have already said that the credit of the enterprise should never have been given to lewis and clark since mackenzie succeeded in it in the year seventeen ninety three and that in point of fact mr rodman was the first who overcame those gigantic barriers crossing them as he did in seventeen ninety two thus it is not without good reason that we claim public attention for the extraordinary narrative which ensues editors g m end of chapter one